Today's episode is sponsored by the American Chemistry Council. Chemistry creates, America competes. Hey, welcome to Politico Tech. Today is Thursday, September 21st. I'm Stephen Overly. Clem DeLong is the CEO of an AI company called Hugging Face. That's right, Hugging Face. So we absolutely wanted an emoji as a name, and it happened that the Hugging Face emoji was our favorite emoji. Clem started Hugging Face after immigrating from France a decade ago. He says it would have been impossible to compete against major industry players without access to open source AI. We thought we would keep that name just for a few months and uh, then uh, probably switch to a more serious or more corporate name. But uh, the community loved it. The community spirit is central to Clem's goals in the AI space. He doesn't want to see AI controlled by a handful of the most powerful technology companies. Now, Clem finds himself defending open source AI at a time when others have criticized it as too risky. He spent last week meeting with D.C. lawmakers, including Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer and House Speaker Kevin McCarthy. On today's Politico Tech, Clem explains why he's been telling them that open source AI is not only safe, but necessary to prevent big tech companies from getting even more market power. I understand all of the CEOs and, and others participating were able to make remarks and, and, and make suggestions around what kind of regulation makes the most sense. And I, I wonder what viewpoints you brought to that conversation. I think uh, we were mostly there to you know answer questions, share some of our perspective and expertise uh, about the topic. We're kind of like the, the most used open platform for AI builders. So we have kind of like an interesting vantage point on the industry, on the kind of like uh, millions of, of AI builders, of like all the small companies, startups, bigger companies building on AI. So our goal was to, was to share a little bit that perspective and this expertise. Uh, my, my opening uh, statement that I shared publicly in the spirit of, of transparency after after the forum, kind of like uh, emphasized the need and the importance of, of openness and transparency in AI, especially the importance of open science and open source AI, which is kind of like the basis of, of all AI. And we also shared how, you know, AI is really this foundational technology that is applied to all domains, all sectors. And so when we look at regulation, we stress the importance of uh, taking an approach very much focused on specific domains, specific use cases, specific risks, rather than take kind of like a, a general approach to a topic that is that, that broad and that diverse. For listeners who may not completely be familiar with, frankly, the, the idea or the concept of open source AI, I wonder if you have a, a, a quick and easy way of explaining it. Yes, absolutely. So, I mean, the the idea is that uh, you know when you when you build a system, it can be completely secret uh, and done behind behind closed door, right? And that's what most companies do, right? Like they're going to have a team that is training a model, keeping it kind of like uh, internal. 
sometimes they're going to try to uh, commercialize it, right? So they're going to give access to what we call an API, right? But what you're seeing also is that, especially when uh, researchers are involved, they want to kind of like contribute to the public good and, and kind of like uh, share with the world some of the scientific work, right? So they're going to make the system more open, for example, by sharing a research paper. Sometimes they go even further and they're like, okay, we can not only share the research paper, but we can share the data set that has been used because we want to be transparent, because we want people to understand how this model has been created. That's how kind of like the field of AI has been working for quite a while. That's, that's why it evolves so fast because, you know, all the research teams all over the world can build on top of each other. That's really something that needs to be encouraged, uh, in my opinion, as, as I said, because it creates more transparency into the systems, right? You can understand better, you know, AI is really hard to understand. So uh, more transparency allows everyone, including policymakers, to understand these systems, which is necessary to regulate, right? You can't regulate something that you don't understand because it's too secret. We had um, Tristan Harris from the Center for Humane Technology on the podcast. He sort of reflected on some of the debate around open source AI and the safety of it. Um, and given that Hugging Face is, is such a large platform for open source AI, I wonder if you yeah. might weigh in with your own thoughts on the merits of open source and, and whether that does raise any sort of safety questions, particularly when it comes to a technology like AI, where you know, it is quite powerful and can potentially be used in, in some problematic uh, applications. Absolutely. I mean, um, I think first for, for context, it's important to remember that, you know, without open science, without open source AI, just a few companies would be able to do AI, right? Mostly kind of like the bigger technology companies because open source AI and open science is what enables, and we're seeing it, we have 15,000 organizations using our platform. Without open science and open source AI, it would be impossible for smaller companies to start from scratch and build AI uh, themselves. So it's very much kind of like an enabler for this new generation of uh, companies. And that's what's been, uh, in, in my opinion, will continue to, to create, you know, millions and tens of millions of, of jobs from these kind of like new organizations. And, and make sure that power is not concentrated in the hands of uh, of a few technology companies. Now, when you think about the risks associated with uh, with open source AI, it's important to uh, not not be simplistic and kind of like see that most of the risks that uh, some people attribute to open source AI are actually risks that are uh, posed by closed source systems too, right? Like uh, we we sometimes take the example of like oh, you can get kind of like an open source model to help you create uh, something nefarious. The truth is you can do the same thing with most closed source systems. Uh, and when it comes to specifically open source AI, I think what, we, what we're seeing is that uh, by, by taking an approach where uh, on, on specific use cases, specific domains, um, you, can, you can apply limitations, right? Uh, like nobody's saying that every single model, every single system should be open source. Like for example, in biology, in chemistry, in cybersecurity, sometimes you want systems that are not open source, right? That's totally fine, right? 
Uh, and when uh, some systems are, are more open, right, because it's, it's a gradient, right? It's not completely black and white, uh, black or white, kind of like open or closed. We'll be right back. The Biden administration is moving forward with a slew of new regulations that put products like semiconductors, electric vehicles, modern healthcare technology, and clean energy at risk. Chemistry is essential to our modern lives, creating products to help foster a more sustainable and competitive future. The Biden administration must change its course and work with manufacturers on science-based policies that protect American innovation. Learn more at chemistrycreates.org. You mentioned competition and and this idea of a a small number of companies having a lot of uh, control or market power in AI Mm -hmm. if it were not open source. How much is that an issue that you really think about, sort of this idea of having too much concentration in AI? And to what extent can regulators and governments prevent too much concentration? I think about it a lot and I take it a bit sometimes too, too personally because as, as you can hear from my accent, I'm, I'm French, but I moved to the U.S. 10 years ago as, as an immigrant. And I think a, a, a big part of the reason why I managed as kind of like an immigrant without any, you know, network, without any health, uh, managed to create a successful company like Hugging Face in the U.S. is because I got access to uh, the same resources as, as others. I could build on top of, you know, open science and, and open source. And that's what Canfly gave me the opportunity to, you know, compete and have kind of like a fair shot against kind of like the incumbents uh, and the big technology, technology companies. And so I think it's, it's very, you know, important that we ensure the same thing uh, for the next generation of uh, startup builders of small companies that are trying trying to compete, uh, there have been some um, I think very interesting things that have been made in the done in the U.S. in this direction. Uh, for example, uh, we've been very supportive of uh, the NSF that has been pushing for the release of public data sets, right? Which are kind of like data sets that independent researchers can can use to do their research. There's been also a lot of uh, really positive efforts um, with uh, an organization called NER, right, which is pushing for shared compute infrastructure, uh, which is also very interesting because uh, one of the natural tendencies of concentration of power in AI comes from the requirement in terms of compute, incentivizing more like open science uh, in in the US is also kind of like a, a good way to you know, keep keep fostering more competition, uh, more uh, giving kind of like uh, everyone, every company small and big kind of like a, a fair shot at really building uh, building with AI. Um, because if if you don't, I think we're gonna end up in a in a very different world. Um, there, there's been some discussion, for example, around um, giving licenses uh, to yeah. to companies to do AI. I, I wanted to ask you about that actually, yeah, we, yeah. because we we had um, we had Microsoft President Brad Smith on the podcast who who talked about that idea. But I, I've have heard pushback that licenses could potentially entrench you know the big players or, or hurt uh, smaller companies. What what do you think yeah. of that whole idea of licenses for AI? 
in my opinion, that that's very dangerous because, um, as as I said before, uh, AI is really kind of like a foundational enabler that uh, you know anyone could could build on. Uh, really similarly to software, right? The right analogy is that AI is the next generation of of software, right? So imagine if you needed a license to do software, like we would end up kind of like in a completely different world than where we are today, right? Right. So in my opinion, the way the way to go is is really to take a very like use case, like domain specific approach to to these things. Uh, because we we don't want to you know stifle innovation. We don't want to kind of like end up with a world where uh, only a few control this very foundational technology. And I, I definitely hear your point. And I wonder with open source AI in particular, and take a platform like Hugging Face. I mean, are there are there ways to enforce kind of safety standards or guidelines? With OpenAI, and and yeah. what would be the best way to to go about doing that? Yeah, yeah. Some, sometimes there's this kind of like a mis- misconception, but the the truth is that open source is is not the wild west. Uh, it happens usually on platforms like uh, Hugging Face or uh, GitHub by by Microsoft, where people use the platform with a user account, and so you can do some safety work like we do on uh, moderation. Right. If like uh, tomorrow, some t- someone tries to post a, a model on the platform that is considered too dangerous, we just won't allow it to be to be published and and to be shared. Right. In addition, what you can do is uh, you know limit kind of like a distribution. I was mentioning before, you can do this thing that is called staged releases, where you don't release these kinds of models all at once to to everyone, but you take a more like progressive approach to it. Finally, uh, I mean, you you can do a, so different kind of licenses than what we talked about before, but on the models and the data sets that you publish. You can associate legal licenses or terms of use licenses to them, uh, which makes it uh, illegal for some use cases that you're trying to prevent. And then, obviously, our legal system is designed to deal with uh, illegal action, right? It's not going to prevent uh, 100% of the illegal action, but uh, uh, that's true for a lot of things. But at least you kind of like get it back to the... Uh, general system that has been working for centuries uh, of of uh, having some things that are legal, some things that are illegal, and and then law enforcement can take care of uh, everything that is illegal, of course. You know, leaving your your meetings in Washington and thinking about kind of next steps for where all of this leads. Do you think that they need to differentiate in some way between open source AI and enclosed AI models when they go about making these rules? In my opinion, uh, the, the, the risk and kind of like the way it works uh, between the two is, is quite similar. Uh, it's more of a gradient than we think, right? It's not totally closed source or totally open source. I, Irene Soleiman that I, I mentioned already has published a really good paper called the gradient release of AI, where you, uh, you see that it's more of a gradient, right? Between fully closed and fully open. 
And, and usually it's, it's somewhere in the middle where some of the AI system are, can be transparent, some of it uh, can't. So overall, I think the distinction uh, open source versus closed source is, is not as, as meaningful as uh, most people think because it's, it's more gradient. Uh, and whenever you can, you, you want to try to incentivize it to be uh, as transparent and as uh, open as, as, as possible. Uh, just to maximize public uh, public good. Excellent. Um, well, I, I know my colleagues have written about uh, France taking a bet on open source AI and uh, starting to put some money behind it. So I wonder if uh, if you're feeling called home at all <laughs> by <laughs> by those efforts. No, I, I love the US. Uh, that that's really kind of like the place that I call home. Uh, but it's interesting, yeah, to see uh, to see many countries starting to to push for open source AI. Um, one one interesting fact is that uh, today the best large language model in English is a model called Falcon, which has been trained and funded by Abu Dhabi in the in the Emirates. It's something surprising because. Uh, few years ago, it couldn't have happened, right? Uh, all the best open source uh, models were trained and, and, and released in the US, right? We've seen kind of like the, the whole ecosystem getting a bit more closed in the, in the past few years. So un- unfortunately, uh, there's the risk that if we continue that way, that the US uh, loses its leadership in, in open source AI, which is kind of scary because uh, open source AI being kind of like the foundation for, for all AI, that could lead to losing the leadership in uh, AI in, in general in the future if, if that happens. So that's also one of the reasons why, as often as I uh, can, I'm, I'm happy to advocate for, for the U.S. to intensify, keep, keep focusing on really supporting open source AI as much as possible. Excellent. Well, Clem, thank you so much for joining us on Politico Tech. Thanks for having me. That's all for today's Politico Tech. Be sure to check out our new Politico podcast, Power Play, launching today. The show introduces you to the top global leaders in business, politics, and culture, and dives deep into how they think about the pressing news around them. You can check out Power Play wherever you get your podcasts. Also, register for Politico Live's AI and Tech Summit, happening next Wednesday. You can register online at politico.com slash AI Tech Summit. Music in today's show comes from the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. Our senior producer is Annie Reese. Our editors are Steve Heuser, Daniela Cheslow, and Louisa Savage. I'm Stephen Overly. See you back here tomorrow.